You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We read in this letter and looked at this letter last week, and we began the church in Thyatira, and we just stopped in verse number 19 and just sort of broke down the verse. And tonight we'll read the entirety of this long letter, and I'll read through it quickly, and then we'll look specifically in verse number 24. Verse 18, the Bible said, And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest the woman, that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I'll cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation." except they repent of their deeds. And I'll kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth at the reins and hearts. And I'll give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I'll put upon you none other burden. But that which you have already, hold fast till I come." And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I want you to notice the phrase at the end of verse 24. The majority, I think it is safe to say, the majority of the membership of this church in Thyatira had given themselves over to corruption and the compromise that comes with it. But in spite of that, there was still a faithful remnant in that majority of compromise. And God has always had his remnant, by the way. And in this local assembly where there was so much darkness, there were still some shining their light. The Lord tells them at the end of verse 24, for this crowd, this remnant, these faithful few who have not indulged in the iniquity that the rest were indulging in, he said, I will put upon you none other burden. Now, there's a sister verse of that in the New Testament, and we could look at that, but basically what he's saying is, you who have not given in to this corruption and sin he said, you already have a burden on your life. The burden of not capitulating. The burden of not compromising. The burden of not following suit with the crowd and going the easy route, the wide path, and staying on the narrow way. You've got a burden as it is. So I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. Basically, keep doing what you're doing. But I want you to notice how he describes that. Keep doing what you're doing. By the way, keep doing right. It's a burden. He said, so no other burden. That load is enough. 
but I want you to carry that load. For a little while this evening, I want to preach on this thought. We're talking about Christ and His church in the last days. Here's an expectation, and here's a realization. We've been blessed with a burden. I don't know about you, but I'm a- agitated almost every day. I, I can't, I mean, just, there's so many things that bother me. I don't know why it is. I'll drive down the road and think, why do I care about what that place is doing? It shouldn't bother me. That's not my church. Why does it keep me up at night that they're doing that? But it bothers me. Uh, you see, the perversion, the trans thing, I saw a bill today in our, uh, 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 in our capital. They're trying to make it to where if a young person uh, identifies as transgender and the parents don't follow suit, that the state can come in and take the children from the parents. State-sanctioned kidnapping of your children. That bothers me. But stop. I'm glad it bothers me. We've been blessed to have that burden. For a little while tonight, think with me on that thought. Let's pray. God, I pray for your help tonight, please. I pray you'd encourage us. I know it's not always easy, and it definitely isn't popular, but we've been blessed to have the truth. And I pray we wouldn't take it for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. A burden is defined as that which is carried, a load, or that which is borne with difficulty. A burden is an extra weight that is placed upon someone or something. What's a burden? A burden is an added stress. It's an additional pressure. It means that the one who has the burden has to put forth more effort to operate and more strength to function. Tonight, I want you to know, and you already know this from living life, life is loaded with burdens. There are burdens that we must bear up. There are burdens that we're called to pick up. And there are some burdens that we ought to give up. But I read this statement, and I like it, every man must shoulder his own pack. And every one of us tonight has burdens that we have to bear. When trouble comes into our life, we refer to that trouble as a burden. When tragedy comes into life, we often refer to that tragedy as a burden. When we're tested and tried, we refer to that season of trial and testing as a time of being burdened. We heard it sung in the song a little while ago when they said, leaving all my sorrows and troubles behind. And we associate things like that in life with being a burden. A burden is not something we normally associate with being positive. We don't think about a burden and then think about, well, I'm blessed to have this burden. When we think about a burden, we think about something that is hard to hold on to and heavy to bear up under. For example, a loved one with a terminal disease, we'd say, well, that's a burden. A child that is struggling in some area of life, we would say, that's a burden. A financial need in our family, we would say, that's a burden. Our society spiraling the way that it is, we would say, well, that is a burden. But this evening, I don't want us to think about those kind of burdens. I want you to think with me about the kind of burden that is peculiar to the Christian. A burden that Christ has purposely laid upon us. You see tonight, the burdens of disease and the burden of finances and the burden of family is not peculiar to the people of God. Those are just the burdens of life. 
But I believe tonight there is an added load, if you will. There is an added pressure. There is an added weight that is laid upon the child of God. But that added weight is not an oppressive load. It is a blessed load that you and I have been privileged to carry. In these last days, if you're going to live for God, you are going to live for God under the weight and realization of a burden. If you serve God, you'll serve God under the weight of that burden. If you're going to exist spiritually, you will exist under the weight of that burden. This is not the burden of the Muslim. This is not the burden of the Hindu. This is not the burden of the Buddhist. This is not the burden of the atheist or the lost man. This is a burden that is peculiar to God's people. At times it's very heavy. At times it's stressful. At times it is difficult. At times it brings pressure. But to have this load laid on your life means you have been blessed and highly favored. I read a statement that says, don't remove the hump from the camel because then it will not be a camel. And you and I, if we know God, would never wish this burden to be taken from our life because this burden is a reminder to us that we belong to him and thank God he belongs to us. For a few moments tonight, consider with me, we have been blessed with this burden. Thyatira is the smallest city that's addressed in these seven church letters. If you study historians, they reduce Thyatira to being an insignificant footnote in history. Yet isn't it interesting how Christ will write the longest of his letters to these churches, to the church that existed in the smallest and most insignificant place. What a reminder it is to us tonight that wherever God's people are, that's a big deal to God. And whatever lot of service you may find yourself in, that's a big deal to God. I'm glad there's no big spots and little spots in what God's doing, but every opportunity to serve God is a big deal. Whether you be on the platform or in the shadows, in a large city or a small town, I'm glad God knows them that are His and little as much when God is in it, no matter the field, the place you labor, I'm glad it's not insignificant to him. The Christians in Thyatira were serving people. They weren't afraid to work for God. We talked about that last week. In fact, in verse number 19, Christ rehearses the attributes of these people. See what it says. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. So this was a working church. They were busy. They got their hands dirty. They served God, and they served people. But the bulk of this letter, after you leave verse number 19, does not deal with their work ethic. This letter deals largely with the toleration, taking part in, and testimony of sin that existed in the church at Thyatira. And remember that a working church is not necessarily a spiritual church. A busy church can be wicked and worldly. Amen. Thyatira was a Greek city. It was founded by Alexander the Great about 300 years before the incarnation of Christ. It's a military outpost that's been positioned really to protect the city of Pergamos. 
There are many soldiers that would make their home in Thyatira. Soldiers need food. Soldiers need clothing. They need their armament. And because of that, Thyatira became a big industrial city. It wasn't beautiful, but it was a city of much industry. It's known for its trades and its craftsmen. In Thyatira, they produced a purple dye from the fish found in the water there. And Thyatira became a leader in the dye industry and in the industry of wool. It's a city built on unions. For these different craftsmen to work, they had to join the various trade guilds of the city. I talked about that last week. Now, the issue with that is this. Every trade guild had their own false god that they would worship and that represented that guild. And it was expected that if you were going to be part of that trade and in that guild, that you took part in the pagan festivities and the pagan worship that centered around those false gods. So here's the issue. The Christians in Thyatira faced the pressure of succumbing to cultural appropriation and being forced to worship these pagan gods so that they could keep their job and make money to support their family. Had they not joined those guilds, then they would lose their income and maybe even their civil rights. So we're not talking about a bunch of weak-kneed Christians for those who stood strong in Thyatira. These are those that lost their income. These are those that lost their civil rights. These are those that stood up against oppressive government to stand true for the gospel. As you read down through the letter, you see the darkness, the depravity, and the deep-rooted sin of the church revealed to us. Now, there's a lot without the church in Thyatira that is corrupt. But the issue in this church is not what is happening without. It is what is happening within. There is a lot to curse without. But what's crippling this local church is happening on the inside. I want you to hear this statement. The Lord is much more concerned with having a holy church than a reformed world. The Lord is much more concerned with having a holy church than a reformed world. A social gospel is not a saving gospel. And any kind of social program, though it may be good in some ways, is not the answer for society. God is far more concerned with his church being pure and unspotted and holy and chaste and biblical than he is the world having a water bottle on a hot day. Say amen right there. All the paganism on the outside could not harm this church more than one ounce of perversion on the inside. And Christ describes the sin in this church in verse 24 by calling it the depths of Satan. I want you to see a few things and we'll get into the thought. The cause of this church's compromise is found in verse 20. Look at verse 20. Notwithstanding... I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that 
woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess, prophetess sorry, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. So the Bible says, listen, thank God in verse 19 for the positive, but there's some negative. And here's the issue. Thou, and here's the compromise, thou sufferest. You see, the root of all the bad fruit in that church is that word sufferest. You say, what is that word? Here it is. These men, these ladies in that church were content to know right, see wrong, and say nothing about it. Here's a buzzword today. They were tolerant. They were progressive. They didn't want to rub anyone the wrong way, so they were determined to keep quiet about corruption, even if it meant they had to compromise. To suffer means to endure something you know is not right. To suffer means to permit something that is wrong. To suffer is to overlook something that is error. It means to turn your head the other way and let something slide. Now, the sin that they get involved in is deep-rooted sin, the depth of Satan. But it starts with the simple neglect of calling out wrong and standing for right. They suffered things that should not be. And sometimes we fall into that trap. Well, if I say something to her, she's going to split the church wide open. Hey, it's better to snuff out a spark than try to fight a, a wildfire. You say, well, I deal with that, but if I deal with that, they're going to take a crowd with them. Hey, good riddance, let them go down the road. It's not wise to suffer a little and then deal with a lot. So that's the cause of the church's compromise, but then the characterization of their compromise is found in the phrase, that woman Jezebel. To understand what the Lord meant by that, you've got to know your Old Testament. Jezebel is a name that carries zero positive connotations, and by the way, it deserves zero. Jezebel was a liaison between God's people and sin. Jezebel was a Zidonian princess married to King Ahab. She was the real power, if you will, behind his throne. She exercised her will over her husband's weakness. She was a master manipulator and the promoter of iniquity. She promoted the worship of false gods. She promoted promiscuity and fornication. She was a seductress and lusted for blood. She loved high places and to stir, she loved to stir up the heart to do wickedness. She hated righteousness. She abhorred the word of God. She was indifferent to wrong and unashamed of her sin. And he said, you have a spirit like that working in your assembly. What is that spirit? It is the spirit of idolatry. It is the spirit of immorality and the spirit of indulgence. It is the gratification of the flesh over the glorification of God. It is saying, God, take a back seat and let carnality take the front seat. And here's the issue. That church in Thyatira was wrapped up in some form of antinomianism or this belief that grace gave them license to live licentious lives and that God was okay with anything they wanted to do because God was in control of it all anyway. So don't take a stand and don't draw a line and just go with the flow. This would be the motto of that kind of a church. Eat, drink, be merry, repeat it all again the next day because God doesn't care anyway. And the conclusion of their compromise is found on down the text. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to cast her into a bed with them that are with her in this 
act, those that are following this spirit, they're going to go through great tribulation. Watch what he says in verse 23. I'll kill her children with death. It's a bad day when God wants to kill somebody. Say amen right there. He said, I'll kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. What a scary thing to remember. Listen to this phrase. The judgment wheel of God may turn slow, but it turns mighty fine. And God will judge those that transgress and go against his word. Now, all that's just our text. Our text verse is verse 24. In verse 24, at this point in the letter, the Lord begins to address that segment within this sinful church that was still living right in spite of the wrong around them. They were standing for truth, and they were holding fast. They did not buy into the spirit of tolerance or succumb to the seduction of sin. They had not taken their seat and eaten at the table of compromise. Others had sunk deep in the depths of Satan, but they had kept their feet planted, if you will, on higher ground. I like the phrase, they met the malignant godlessness of the hour with militant godliness. They did not bow, they did not curtail or dip their sails. They were faithful, they were true, and they determined not to play Ahab to the day's Jezebel, and they followed their God. And to that crowd that loved the Lord in a day like that, the Bible says, Jesus said, no other burden will be placed upon you because you've got a burden on you already. Now think about it. Verse 24, I'll put upon you none other burden. You read down to verse number 25, it's obvious these Christians were rooted Christians, grounded Christians, established Christians because they were holding to some things they ought not let go of. So it tells us they were not babes like we talked about last week in Christ, but these individuals were mature believers. They had conviction. They knew where they stood. They'd called upon the Lord, and they were standing for the Lord. And Christ saw those believers living in those conditions and said, I'll give you no further instruction other than this. Bear up under that burden that you're already bearing up under. Here's what he's saying. I'm not going to add anything else to you. You already have something added to you that the compromising crowd doesn't know about. I'm not going to lay anything else on you. You've got something laid on you that the lost society around you doesn't know anything else about. You say, what was that burden? Here it is. Their burden was the burden of being saved, walking in the Spirit, staying unspotted from the world, and having enough spiritual discernment to see the unrighteousness of the hour. Their burden was living right. In a wicked world. Their burden was to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Their burden was to know the Lord in a day when everybody else overlooked the Lord. Their burden was to love the Word of God while others hated the Word of God. Their burden was to flee sin and pursue righteousness. Their burden was to maintain Christian character in a day when there was no Christian character. Their burden was to love truth while everybody else loved tolerance. Their burden was to hold the line while others tried to blur the line. Their burden was to follow Jesus while everybody else flocked to Jezebel and to those determined to live for Christ in an hour of compromise, they were blessed to have that burden because it meant this, they were faithful to the Lord, following the Lord, and still living for the Lord while others had gone the wrong direction. Now let me give you an illustration and I'll close. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle was God's mobile house of worship. 
It was made to be transported from one place to another place, and there were instructions given on how to transport the different parts of the tabernacle. In Numbers 7, there's an interesting phrase. In that chapter, and you can look it up when you go home, Moses begins to distribute wagons to the different sons of Levi. The wagons are used to carry the different parts of the tabernacle. The sons of Gershon are given two wagons to carry the curtains of the tabernacle. The sons of Merari are given four wagons to carry the timber and the structural framework of the tabernacle. But there's another group, sons of Levi, and in verse number 9 of Numbers 7, the Bible says Moses did not give that crowd a single wagon to carry the load. These are the sons of Kohath. The Bible says, but under the sons of Kohath, he gave none. Watch the phrase. Because the service of the sanctuary belonging unto them was that they should bear upon their shoulders. Now, here's the thing. Those other sons of Levi got four wagons, two wagons to carry curtains and to carry lumber. Kohath has to bear their burden on their shoulder. What are they going to carry? The most important the most sacred, the most holy things in the tabernacle. You say, what was their job? They carried every piece of sanctified, sacred furniture from the Holy of Holies. It was the sons of Kohath that would bear the Ark of the Covenant. It was the sons of Kohath that had the golden altar. It was the sons of Kohath that carried the table of showbread. It was the sons of Kohath that had that golden lampstand. Think about it. On their shoulders was that altar and that table and that lampstand. Here's what it is. Oh, they carried the burden of the golden altar that represented sacrifice and intercession to God. They carried the burden of the lampstand representing the light of God. They carried the burden of the table representing the word of God. They carried the burden of the ark of the covenant representing the power and promise and presence of God. You say, I bet it was heavy. It was real heavy. I bet it was strenuous. It was real strenuous. I bet you it was a load. No doubt it was a load, but it was theirs to carry. You study it out. And the priest would take those items, those golden pieces of furniture, wrap them in blue, scarlet, and purple linen, and then cover it with badger skin. They're carrying the most precious load. But to the world around it, it looked like an oppressive load. It wouldn't be very beautiful to the world around. They'd see the weight of it. They'd see the, they'd see the bulk on their shoulder. But thank God those sons of Kohath knew what kind of glory was underneath they understood, hey, listen, it might be a load, but it's a lovely load. It might look like a burden to you, but it's a blessing to us. Yeah, it's heavy, but these are the most holy things in the tabernacle. And I think if you asked them, was it worth it 40 years of wandering, carrying those things, they'd say, I wouldn't want anything else. Yep, yeah, it was heavy. It was a burden, but it was ours to bear. God trusted us with that load. God honored us with that load. God gave us the opportunity to bear that load. Let the Gershonites have their wagons. Hey, let the sons of Merari have their wagons. We'll 
take the most precious things of God and bear up under it. We'll hold up the load. We'll carry it in our day because God has favored us with this burden. What a blessing. Oh, can I say tonight, you and I have been blessed with a burden today. Just the same burden that Enoch felt and the same burden that Noah felt and the same burden that Abraham felt and the same burden that Jacob felt and the same burden that Joseph felt. Now we're having church. And the same burden that Moses felt and the same burden that Joshua had and the same burden that Samuel carried and the same burden of Nehemiah and David and Elijah and the apostles. To the world, it looks like reproach. To the world, it looks like the marks of the cross. To the world, it looks like chains and bondage. To the world, it doesn't look very lovely. But to you and I, who've seen under the badger's skin and seen under the cover, I tell you, I wouldn't trade this burden for anything. I'm glad some things bother me. I'm glad some things trouble me. I'm glad some things stir me up. I'm glad I've got some indignation against iniquity. I'm glad to live under the weight of this burden. That's why Paul said, I'd rather glory in my infirmities because he found out my infirmity is not really an infirmity. It's germinating ground for glory because it's through the burden I realize how blessed I am. He said, I'm glad to bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God for Onesiphorus, not ashamed of my chain. The joy that's been set before me is the joy of a cross, and I'll gladly bear it. Matthew 11:30. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. But Jesus talks about those lost in their sin and said, that's heavy laden. Here's the message. It's so hard to be a Christian. I say it's so hard not to be. <laughs> You see, the cost of living for God is too high. Not as high as the cost if you die without Him. Hallelujah. One of the greatest blessings you'll ever get from your God is a cross to carry. Oh, my. You say, what are you burdened with? I'm burdened with the truth. I'm burdened with the truth in a day of error. I'm burdened with understanding in a day of confusion. I'm burdened with enlightenment in a day of absolute darkness. And I'd rather carry a million times the burden that God's laid on me than have the burden of a lost man who's one heartbeat from eternity wrapped in his iniquity and bound in his sin. You talk about a burden, brother. The way of a transgressor is hard. Don't you come to me and pooch out your Christian lip and stoop over your head and hang your shoulders and give me a pity party about going to heaven forever, having a mansion on streets of gold, being saved by the grace of God, heaven bound with the hammer down, name in the book of life. Well, it's just so hard. It's not as hard as hell. It's not as hard as no Holy Ghost. It's not as hard as not having a church home. It's not as hard as no answered prayer. I thank God some things burden me. I thank God some things bother me. I thank God for sleepless nights. I thank God for tears. I thank God I want to see revival. I thank God for a burden over sinners. I'm glad some things trouble me. I've been blessed with my burden. Paul said, I can wish myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren. Oh, it's difficult sometimes. I'm not saying it's not, but I'm saying it's a blessing. It's difficult. It's frustrating to see compromise, but listen, I'm glad it frustrates me. <laughs> it's discouraging to watch people drift from their Bible, but I'm glad it discourages me. It's hard to see society sink in sin, but I'm glad it's not easy for me to watch. Uh, the perversion of our culture disgusts me, but I'm glad it does. Amen. The world sort of feels empty, but I'm glad it feels empty because the reason it feels empty is I've found fullness in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, good night. The need for revival troubles me, but I'm glad it does. Lost souls in our city bother me, but I'm glad it does. 
Yeah, it's not always easy to live right, but God gave me a desire to live right. Amen. It's not easy to take a stand, but I'm glad God gave me a hunger to take a stand. It's not easy to be scorned, but I'd rather be scorned for Christ than something else. It might not be easy all the time to live separated, but thank God I'm separated unto Him. It's not always pleasant to live a crucified life, but thank God I know the key to a crown is to bear my cross. It's not easy to raise children for God, but at least I'm glad I know God has a plan for my children. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, there's social stigma. Yeah, there's misunderstanding. Yeah, there's marginalization and pressure and pitfalls. I understand that, but at least you're saved. <laughs> You're going to heaven. You see, it's not easy being a Christian. Hey, I'm glad it's a lot easier being a Christian than it was when I was lost. I'm glad I know the truth, and I'm glad the truth holds me. I'm glad my name's written down, like I said, up in heaven. Amen. I know this world is headed for trouble, and I'm headed for glory, and I'm glad I know all about it. I'm glad I'm not at home here. I'm glad sin troubles me. I'm glad compromise makes me shake my head. I'm glad I have more of an allegiance to the Bible than public sentiment, and I'm glad to be a child of God and saved by grace divine. Yes, some days it's heavy. Yes, someday it's a pressure. Yes, someday it is a battle to even do right, but can I say I'm glad I'm in the battle. I'm glad I feel the pressure. I'm glad I'm under the weight. Amen. Almost everything bothers me. But I'm glad it bothers me. And I think that's what he's saying to you and thy entire Listen, I'm not going to put any more stress in your life. Because what you're doing is hard as it is. But keep doing it. Don't stop doing it. Bear up under. All throughout the book of Hebrews is the word endure. What that means is to come bear up under. Hold the weight of it. A preacher who was martyred by Nazis during World War II made the statement, so when Christ calls a man, he doesn't bid him come and dine. He bids him come and die. But can I say, if you know Christ intimately, you'd say, I'd want it no other way than to die to myself and live for him. I know, Christian parent, it is a battle. It's a burden, isn't it? The fight, trying to do the clothes right and the music right and the schedule of the friends. I know that. But aren't you glad at least you have the battle? I understand that. To be faithful to church, it's a battle. But we're blessed to have this burden. Because I'll tell you what it means. It means that we've been enlightened. We have been born again. And thank God we have eyes that see and ears that can hear. Don't quit the fight today. Jesus might come tomorrow. If they could be faithful in Thyatira, we can be faithful in Santa Clara. I won't give you any other burden except this. Just keep living for God. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.